Welcome back to Careful Boys, everybody. It is another episode of Hot Seat where we have the hottest seat and the hottest questions. Today, our lovely guest is Big Herc. Hey! Woo and to set it off, we're gonna have Bart do the coldest of the cold. So, it's gonna be that cold, dude. What's your favorite brand of lotion? Uh, Palmer's Cocoa Butter. I got a nice answer. Palmer's Cocoa Butter. Do you mix it with another one, or you just go straight Palmer's? Man, Palmer's is such a high grade, you can go straight Palmer's. Oh. <laughs> high quality. <laughs> the highest. Very good absorption rate. It's really good? The way you said it made me want to throw out my jerkins. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I gotta write this down. I gotta go get some of this. So, Big Herc, where did you, uh, where did you grow up? Sacramento, California, Parsley, and then also in the Bay Area, Treasure Island. Wait, is that the little island in the middle? Yeah. I didn't know there was people that lived there. Yeah, yeah nice to be uh, a military base. And before that, it was the World's Fair. Oh. Yeah. And now it's public housing, and I think they're going to change it into um, luxury condos here pretty soon. They're going to make it into wow. like a... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds like the shit. It sounds like the area shit right there. <laughs> so would you consider yourself a Bay Area NorCal guy? Uh, I would say... Northern Cali, but Southern Cali has had a lot of influences on my growth as far as seeing the world beyond just Sacramento, because everybody I've met from Northern California are doing, I mean, Southern California is doing such bigger things than all my friends I grew up with. Mm. I mean, a lot of my friends, I have, I have no more, more millionaires that I've met in Southern California than North, I know nobody in Northern California who's a millionaire. So mm. they're lazier. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Different mentality. Like, yeah, the sky's yeah. the limit. You in know? Southern California, there's more entrepreneurial spirit. Very, very much. I mean, guys who are just balling out of control, and there's like, they just, there's visionaries out here. Where's their limit? Just like 10 feet? <laughs> they just want a ghost ride whips? No, you know, Sacramento, like, predominantly, like, good job is working for the state. Oh, oh right. yeah. Capital, right? Capital. Yeah. That's true. State government jobs. Yeah. So that's kind of like Those where people are, nice are at. When you start talking about you, you're going to open up some you know, tech or some big maybe um, car company, this and that, there'll be people like, oh man, I'm just gonna get a job, you work for the state and get retirement. Mm. People don't think like they do. More stability. More stability, yeah. exactly, exactly. Because out here people are just more like, I'm gonna work for myself, build a business. Yeah, and, and, it's, and it's, they just have a lot more motivation. I mean, everybody I've met out here from my, my Vietnamese friend, he, you know, runs a mortgage loan company, my other friend, lighting company, clothing line, um, car rental, everybody's like, they have all these ideas and just being around those individuals, it makes you want to hustle harder. It makes you want to vision. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, seeing guys like in their, you know, 30s, 20s driving, you know, $300,000 cars, you will not see nobody really in Sacramento. You're not going to go to a car show and see, you know, $20 million worth of cars in the parking lot. I mean, that's nothing out here in LA. You show up, I remember yeah. going to uh, yeah. a car show in the morning one time, um, they were doing a platinum, and dude, I seen like some Asian cats roll up, bro. They were like 12, 15 cars deep with Lambos and Ferraris. What crew is rolling that hard? I mean, 16 year old Chinese yeah. boys with yeah. 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 mainlanders, bro. Dude, I've never seen, I'm like, I said, dude, what do you guys do? I have a clothing line. I said, I've never heard of your clothing. Dude, what's your clothing brand? I mean, you guys got, damn, I don't, I don't know this many people with Lambos and Ferraris. You know, 15, 20 deep, and then a Rolls Royce in front? Oh, you guys are balling. But it's inspirational because I see that. It's like, damn, I can go out. Sky's the limit. You know, you can really go out here and get it. You you know, people in, in, in well, in particular, Sacramento, the Bay Area, you have more money. You have a lot of money in the Bay. Bay's different, different kind of cat. You got some guys in the Bay balling. But Sacramento, it's just, I felt like I had outgrown that fishbowl. Mm. So you've been in jail, right? 
and uh, in jail, what was the craziest sexual act you saw where it made you go like this on the inside? <laughs> you know what? Never, never seen anything. No, no direct male uh, homosexuality, but I knew of a situation just through having other people on the yard tell me about it. There was a big guy who was a shot caller for the white boys. He looked like Tom Selleck, a big, big white boy, big mustache and stuff. And uh, and he was kind of like, you know, calling the shots on the yard. And then this Native American showed up, very feminine, you know, had a little haircut. And he's like, so-and-so, you're, oh my God. He went and talked to the warden. And I'm like, what the hell's going on? He's like, can you put him in my cell, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, these dudes were lovers at another institution. Oh. And it came up, nobody knew, you know what I mean? Because these dudes running shit. So when the other white boys were like, damn, you know, they didn't want to, this dude's a savage, so they didn't really want to check him in, but they're like, dude, you can't be the, you know, you can't be our face no more, you can't be our rep. But he had the Native American moving a cell with him, had him clean a cell, and then a dude sitting in the cell next door, he said, man, he'd be in there busting his cheeks at night. <laughs> God, I didn't have to hear him. He said, dude, you know, he'd be up in there, you know, locked down, whatever, you know, he up in there getting it. So he gave up his shot collar position so he could be in love. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. What a forbidden love story. Yeah. That could be a movie right there, dude. Broke back. Uh, jail cell? Jail, jail cell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and it's like I said, this guy, he, you know, he was one of the big dudes on the yard, man, and he, he gave it up all in the name of love. What are the main, like, white bike, uh, white gangs? Are they, like, more bikers or, like, uh, skinheads? Or? Um, you know, I think, I, I mean, honestly, I didn't really, I guess they had the clicks up in there. They, you know, they probably, I think in prison, I don't know the feds and state, I know it's AB, and then um, the skins, I think it's more on the street, so I don't know what their cliques are in prison. Um, AB as in like Aryan Brotherhood? Yeah, but you know, I, I, I worked out with a couple big, pretty big white boys when I was in Herlong, but they're from um, Northern California, so it's like, you know, they did what they wanted to do. You know, it's different. Like I said, once again, Northern California is a different thing, and a lot of people tripped out me working out with these big white boys, but you know, one's from Richmond, and then one was from, uh, I wanna say like, Turlock or something, so it wasn't really a big thing, but it wasn't as much in the feds. Like I said, I, I, federal is different than state. State, I couldn't come near a white boy. It would have been a lot of politics. That's called Just politicking, right? Yeah, Where like, it's like, you have to stay in your race and then there's like a pecking order. Yeah. So yeah. you were in federal prison and that's different from state. Totally different than state. State is, is like a whole nother level. Federal, you're dealing with guys who, some of them were multi-millionaires, man. I mean, guys who, you know, I had a Mexican celly because I was, like I said, from up north, so I did a different program. And we would, you know, because they spoke Spanish, we we dealt with a lot of different people. So we had guys from, like, Northern Cali we dealt with. Sometimes the Southsiders would come to us to help them with legal work. Paisas. Paisas are people from, Mex from Mexico. And, you know, some of these guys, you know, they might look like they're from Mexico, but these are balling over there. They might have, this dude might have been running keys for the cartel. You never know. He's working in the kitchen, stealing chicken and shit. This guy on the street is a millionaire, yeah. you know, but that's his hustle in there. And nobody wants another guy to know how valuable he is. I helped the guy in there one time with a traffic ticket, and I looked at the ticket. I said, damn, Lamborghini Diablo. I'm like, damn, I, I was buying, you know, I've been buying steak from this dude still in the in the kitchen. So next time I seen him, I'm like, dude, yeah, Lamborghini. He's like, oh man, don't tell nobody, don't tell nobody. 
He said, I don't want these dudes to know that I you know, had it like that. So he's playing the gang role, yeah. but he didn't want nobody to know that he was pushing a Lambo, had a mm. you know, Harley truck, and he was balling on the street because then they'll try to get something from him. Nice. So, oh, you know, yeah. a lot of people dumb themselves down purposely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they don't want people, you know, tapping in and knowing that, you know, what kind of connect you have. Oh, this dude was a millionaire on the street, and he's acting like he's broken here. Mm. Yeah. So I know you answered this question so many times because I've seen so many people ask you this, but is prison rape a thing? I, I, I didn't see it, you know, but it does happen. And like, if you're a guy that shows feminine tendencies and, you know, one of the biggest things is like, when you go to laundry to get your clothing, you're not gonna have them, you know, you're not gonna wear no two, two sizes too small pants. If you're walking around in some tight ass pants, <laughs> motherfuckers like are like, oh, that's like you, you're sex playing them. Yeah. So you're letting dudes know that I'm, 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 I'm showing right. cheeks. I'm showing cheeks. I'm you right. know what I mean? <laughs> you're not, you're, if you're doing that, they're like, damn, this dude got some tight ass pants on. And dude, they'll, um, you know, they'll, 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 they'll act on that, man. And you know, dude told me one time, you know, he's seen a dude up in there real soft. I don't know if he's in there for like, and credit card, you know, credit card, credit card. <laughs> some <fraud>. pussy crimes. <laughs> Predominantly. A crime committed by gay people, you know, not oh. you know, not stereotyping, but it is. So they'll assume if you're huh. very articulate, you're, you know, you carry yourself a certain way, you did a credit card crime, you know, that's a non-violent, high-level crime, but it's like fraud and stuff like that. Maybe you were gay, so those guys they have a tendency to like think, oh, if this guy did that, maybe he's soft. I can play him, but he, in my boat, my my guy was telling me at another institution, he was that, you know, they seen a the guy walk around tight pants, and they see that for a little while, you know, they'll have a couple guys, and they'll they'll like gang up. You know, and he said they ganged up on a dude at one of the USPs and, you know, they put a knife on him and they poked him enough to where they, they made him kind of hurt and they went in there and raped him, man. And that's what some of these dudes do. But those are like Rat Pack dudes know the predators. And I don't know what particular demographic these guys were from, but he said that, you know, it was brothers on brothers and they got one dude in there and they, they you know, these dudes raped another dude. Unfortunately, I never seen any of that happen personally where I was at as far as anybody get forcibly raped. And I would imagine more in the state because of the mentality that it happens more often. But I didn't witness it in the feds, thank God. When a dude bones another dude, but then says he's not gay, how do you explain that? There is no explanation to that. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Dude. Yeah. Today's video is brought to you by Tushy. Okay, so I just moved in to my new place in Las Vegas. Shout outs for Tushy for giving me my very own bidet. And you know, I put off installing it for quite some time because you know, when you're moving, you have a lot of things in boxes. But what I realized is I was using a ton of toilet paper. Like I don't use this much toilet paper. What the hell is happening? And what I found out is because Tushy is so eco-friendly, you know, when you use the bidet to wash your booty hole, you just have to pat it dry with tissue and you don't even have to keep wiping and wiping and wiping and using the whole dang roll. And so I didn't realize how much money I was saving. It was pretty, pretty crazy. What I found out is I'm very, very lazy because all of this installs in eight minutes. I could have got this done real quick. I did it before. I don't know, it's been so long that I forgot to do it. But if you start using this, you save about 80% of your tissue paper use, okay? That's a lot. If you're going to get rolls and rolls and rolls, like, man, you're shaving down that cost to like very little money. And you know that this is a good thing because I've been using it for at least five years now and I brought it from my LA house all the way to my Vegas house and Tushy has now cleaned over one million happy bums. 
So I want all of our listeners to have clean bums. Visit hellotishy.com slash off the record to get 10% off and free shipping right now. Tag us and at hellotishy on social media so we can celebrate your clean butt with you. That's hellotushy.com slash off the record for 10% off. There's no, somebody say, somebody say prison gay or something like that, or I've never seen that because I know guys who are doing like life or 30 years and they never, uh, you know, <coughs> put off like they were going to fuck a guy to kind of pass their time or because they can control a sexual urge. Your sexual urge, man, if you're a human being, you have, you can control that. Yeah. That's like walking around down the street and you're, oh, uh, and you can't control, I can't control, I can't control. Yeah. You know what I mean? Come on, bro. You're, yeah, you're a man. True. So you got to have some type of willpower, and that shouldn't be your main drive for existence. So if you're in prison, you're saying you're going to be having sexual relations with men, then that's something that was already a proclivity that was in you on the street, and you just acted on it now, and you're trying to justify it. So you did 10 years, you said? Eight years, eight months. What was the um, hardest thing to, that you missed when you are in there? Um, being around women, like the free will of being around women. And, and and then um, probably like conversation, good people, conversation, mm-hmm. because the, the, the energy in there and, you know, people think all oh, the physical part. Well, when you start listening and you start realizing the conversation and who you're talking to, you realize like, man, I'm not like these people, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not trying to sound like, oh, I'm all that. But I just knew that I had not really paid attention to my value system Whoa. and what I really um, considered. Um, things I, I, I looked up to in life compared to other people when I started listening to other people talk and how they carried on and what they what they glorized it, it wasn't it wasn't me. You know, and that was the hardest part, but you have to kinda pretend to a degree because you wanna seem like you're too better because you feel like you're better and then we're you know, oh you're better than us and we're gonna take you out. You know, so a lot of guys had that sense too where they think, Oh man, you don't hang out with us, what makes you any better than us? You're in here with us, so why don't you do time like we're doing time? And so you have people like that who are hating on you because you are doing things to better yourself. You know how you're like trying to pursue a spirituality a little bit more by reading books and stuff? You ever like look in other cells and see people doing yoga and stuff? Uh, never seen anybody doing yoga, but I, you know, I had uh, guys that I associated, like, socialized with that we learned to meditate. Like I was able to have a out of body experience in there. That's where I learned deep meditation, how to like quiet the thoughts in my head and to tune in with just like nothingness to kind of leave my body and like almost like an astrophysical sense. Man, you get charged with escaping because of that. <laughs> Big Herc, Big Herc, he's not even here. (laughs) Double Lord, bring him back. He escaped, get back in there, get back in. (laughs) He's across the street at the McDonald's. (laughs) Feels good to be free. (laughs) So you were talking about earlier, you didn't mess with a lot of people because you were like, I'm trying to stay away from trouble. How would you do that day to day? Because I imagine it's so hard to like, you know, you're rubbing elbows with these dudes all the time. Well, How would you stay away from that? I try to have a program where I got up and I kind of went and did like my little routine where I went um, I went and worked out in the mornings and kind of did my exercising and stuff. And then I had a guy I worked out with, my, my male mentor, the, black, the brother. I would work with him. And then after lunch, 
I'd come back and then the white mentor, I would work with him on law, studying the law, helping people, and that would keep me going. And then maybe sometimes in the evening, I would go and walk the track for an hour or so just to kind of clear my mind. So I had a program. I didn't really give myself any free time. See, when you have too much free time and you're just hanging out and you got guys you want to sit down and they start to say, hey, come on, come talk to me. And then that's how you get caught up. And the thing is, I always call it, the tar baby, where once you start hanging out with something and you get some tar in your hands, it's hard to get it off because now you've done opened that door and then we try to close it. They're like, oh man, why don't you come hanging out? You were kicking with us the other day and it's like, oh, now you're too good, blah, blah, blah. Now mm. they start hating on you like, oh, he's in a lot. He's hanging out with that dude. He thinks he's better than us. See, man, blah, blah, blah. And so they start creating this whole, this whole story in their mind on why they don't want to like you no more. But if you never open that door, you don't have to worry about that. So you got to be cautious of that when you start letting people into your circle, especially when you're trying to do certain things and it doesn't align with these other people's agendas. So I always try to keep it to a minimal. And on top of that, because I was in a law library and doing things of that nature, it kind of made myself a commodity because I could help people. I could type. I can mm. help people look up stuff. A lot of these guys aren't very educated book-wise. So I knew how to apply a lot of that stuff. So that was like my angle and my whole hustle in prison was helping people with the law. What was it like getting out? Because you did eight years, you said? Yeah. yeah so was it, was it weird to kind of see from where you went in, like the world after you got out is like kind of changed? Um, well, to be honest with you, because the whole time I was in there, I didn't want to become institutionalized. Mm -hmm. So I always said in my mind, I'm just passing through. So I would fantasize about, okay, what if they call me to R&D? today or I was always filing something in prison to try to get out early so I'm like oh, man they call me next week I'd be in the Hemings I'm gonna buy this car I'm gonna mm. go over here I'm gonna move mm. over here to Culver's or I'm gonna move to Marina Del Rey get this <laughs> beach this, this, this apartment by the beach so I was always creating these uh, fantasies in my mind so I never was really in prison I was there being detained but I was never calling myself an inmate or a convict so it was crazy the day I got out it was almost like I had been in a just a, like a, almost like a um, like a chamber, like a time chamber. Yeah. It's almost like that movie with Demolition Man where I got oh, out yeah. like, wow, because I never programmed the prison. Yeah. You know, I never adapted. Now, I used to have nightmares because I'm like, man, I'm like, you know, I'm still in prison. I don't know. I, I can't figure out how to get out. But mentally, I never considered myself institutionalized or in prison. So when I got out, the transition was just a matter of me instantly hustling. Like I always, I already said, like I'm gonna get out here. I'm not gonna get a job. I'm gonna figure out a way to, you know, become a producer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna produce. I know, do my book. I, you know, I wrote three books in prison. You know, I worked on different like movie ideas. So that was my whole goal, and I never deviated from that. So the transition was easier for me than some people, because I seen some people in the halfway house, and they got out, and you see them, they're walking around, they're going to the career center, and they're just like, dude, you can see they're defeated. They might even want to go back in, huh? Because yeah, they're so they're, used to it. They're so they're already programmed, and because. They have like, oh, the only thing saving a lot of those guys is their baby mama or maybe their mom or somebody. See, for myself, I I didn't go back to anybody. I came back out to L.A., but I didn't fall into anybody really helping me. I just created my own stuff. So I didn't have any visits or anything. So my mentality was I'm going to show people that I'm not a piece of shit, mm. that I made bad choices, but I'm better than this. And when I bounce back, I'm going to show people that I'm the truth. So that was my whole thing and not like allowing the system to dictate to me who I'm gonna become after that, regardless of having, I had three felonies at that point. How are you able to do that? Cause that eight years is such a long time. Like that's like a, that's so strong of a will. I just, dude, I, I every day I just really 
I, I meditated and I, I spoke to the universe to try to ask for strength and to try to guide me on what my purpose is and what my true calling is because I know it wasn't being in prison. Yeah. You know, I know it wasn't. Um, so it's just like a daily thing. Daily thing. I would just say these mantras sometimes. I'd read these different things as far as like empower myself. I remember one time uh, I had these two cellies, man. I had a super crip and a super blood. <laughs> and I mean, they would just tell stories about this robbery, mayhem, this doing stuff. And I'm like, dang, you know, God, what is this? What is this? What is this supposed to mean? What's this lesson? Yeah. You know, just negative. And you can see them like you be laying there and I'm reading my book. And it was a three-man cell and they'd be looking at me like that motherfucker think he, you know, reading a book. Who the fuck he think he is? You know, they, see, I can feel it, yeah. the tension. And, you know, I, I always felt like I, at some point I thought I was going to have to do something. Like, they're going to try to stab me. I have to stab this dude. Just because you're reading a book? Just because I'm not engaging. Oh. I'm not I'm not talking. I'm not I'm not buying into it that. It makes whole, them insecure. Yeah, I think I'm, you know, like, I think I'm better because I'm not... I'm not doing the same thing they're doing, which mm -hmm. that's what they're, these guys are already, they're like, I, I, it's almost like demons, you know, and I'm trying to fight the demons, I'm trying to stay strong, but this is a challenge, almost a spiritual battle. Prison is a spiritual thing too, gets a lot of energy wars going on, people are trying to pull you, dark side, so if I started doing it, so my thing is, how I got to prison was because I kept entertaining these negative thoughts, these negative vibrations, so in order to reverse that, when I was laying on the beach, I said, I gotta stop. I stop right there. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, you ever seen that big blade spinning and it, you throw something in there to shred it? Mm -hmm. I had to stop that with so much centrifugal force and to reverse it, to get it going where it created momentum, I had to practice that daily. And so I could never let myself fall back into telling war stories or glorizing mm -hmm. crime or yeah. entertaining mm -hmm. violence. I had to work hard to not even, I, I don't want to talk about that stuff. Mm -hmm. That's what got me there. Because there's a lot of talk about like, are prisons really rehabilitative or anything like that? Do you have, do you have a I guess like a uh, a thing that you feel like would help other people, or do you do you have I, not not that you would have an answer, but like is there something that you feel might help other people like find that place, or is that just a very personal journey that they all have to go through? It's a personal journey, but before you even go to prison, you need to it, it's it's putting yourself around a, a, an environment that's conducive for you to grow as a being, not only materially, which everybody's caught up on material, the watch, the, the car, the, the girl. I'm talking about as a spiritual person to find purpose and meaning. Just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you have purpose and meaning. You have a lot of money, but if you acquire it through ill-gotten means, then the energy with that is death. It can, it can attract a whole nother thing that can result in you losing your life even though you have a bunch of it. So you have to focus on the, your, your, so, your social circle and what you put out into the world as far as what you want to attract. I was in a, just a, a, a bad social circle. When I was, before I committed to bank robbery, I didn't really understand really what my ultimate goal was or my purpose was. I had, you know, mingled in different circles, but with no real direction because I didn't know who I was or where I was going. So as far as people, and when you get to prison, it's so much more clicked up and then you can't leave then it's harder so you have to fight even harder to find your identity most people have no identity all they do is they see something they oh i'm like this or they follow this or they join this and they don't create their own identity and then you're taught a false identity because most of the shit we're taught in school is bullshit when you start researching the history and the lies and all this stuff so you're fighting three different angles of just negative affirmations to become who you are so it's hard and they know that and they set it like that up on purpose and that's why it's easy to control everybody because nobody has any identity they don't know where they're going we have the program school teach you to go school program is no different than prison program get up go to work go, uh, go lunch go to break go home sleep retire you know it's the same shit 
go, go to school, graduate, get a job, work 30 years, retire, die. Same shit. Where's the breakup? Where is your identity at? You, you went to a job, but you might have been the greatest violinist that ever lived. You might have been one of the most inventive you know, minds we've had, but because you didn't ever get a chance to find who you are, you never got to explore that side of yourself, which you left humanity avoiding humanity. You, you were here for a purpose, and I just sit around like, my purpose has got to be greater than sitting in the cell. Yeah. This is crazy. I walk the yard, I'm like, damn, man, this is crazy. And some dudes in there, they're, they're just oblivious. They're walking around, and you feel the energy, you're like, oh, my God. It's like Groundhog Day every day. Like this dude, this is this is not normal. Mm. It's not normal. The guards in there, they're working. I'm getting a paycheck, dude. It's not normal to get a paycheck like this. Right. It's not normal. So I just used to have to really fit, sit around and I used to just get in my own head and just go back and just think like, damn, when did it start? When I stole those pair of shoes. God damn it. I should have never stole those shoes. <laughs> <laughs> you know? from, from the other baby. But you gotta face all that stuff, right? You gotta really yeah, sit down. But it's painful, and a lot of people don't want to face that because then you start going backwards and start going backwards and and looking at everything you've done and how it led up. You don't wake up one day and say, "Hey, I'm gonna go rob a bank, yeah. take over a bank, blah blah blah." You gotta work up to that. So it's like it's a whole deprogramming, reprogramming process. Where's a good place to start with that? Like, where do you where do you look to? I guess to even start that journey. I would say I would look at your values and ask yourself: Are these your values, or are these values somebody else's values that you uh, adopted? I think most people got other yeah. people's values. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. their parents, all that shit. Be honest, man. As I got older, I thought, man, am I adopted? But I said, damn, my mom had me at fourteen. I couldn't have been that young, but adopted because I think so much differently. I look at my family, man. I'm a health freak. I have ambition. I'm like I've always I'm like a really like animated person and everybody else is just kind of like chill. Oh, you know, just not very kind of lackluster, not super goal orientated or driven. I'm like the type of dude like when I put my mind to something, I'll die for it. I want to die. You know what I mean? I'll die for it. So why not die for something good? But my that's the type of mentality I have is all or nothing. I don't do stuff with a backup plan. Oh, I'm going to do this and if I don't make it, I can go back and become a trash man. I don't think about that shit. Ain't no backup. It's all or nothing, especially when it's something positive. Because I feel like I was put here, and if you truly believe in yourself and who you are, then the universe is going to make a way for you to be that which you are. But if you get a universe and out because you don't really believe in that, then the universe is going to give you the easier out. That's how the universe works. If you want to be the highest, every, anybody before they've actually hit major success, they've had a really depressing moment. Or felt like, man, is this really all worth it? It's like childbirth. Oh my God, it hurts so bad. Is it really worth it to have this little baby, little baby? You know what I mean? <laughs> but then baby. the baby comes, you're like, oh, little baby, you're so beautiful. <laughs> 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 <laughs>